And we've been talking about a, a radically different look, about looking different. And Clayton is on vacation today, but if, if Clayton's a red-haired guy that works here. And Clayton and I both are follically challenged. Do you know what that means? That's politically correct, saying that we're, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going bald. I'll show you just a reminder about Clayton. We have a picture of Clayton. Clayton, you see there's some recede there, obviously. Uh, then we have a picture of me somewhere. There we are. And, you know, I, I would like to take the hairline back down to about right there probably, but uh, at least to there. So Clayton and I went out a few weeks ago, and we went and looked at some wigs. We haven't even told our wife this, but we're getting these wigs in a couple weeks. So just be prepared. This is how Clayton and I will look in the days ahead. Clayton uh, here is... Uh, Clayton is a, a Tennessee Vols fan. That's not been a good thing in the last several decades, but uh, he, he has red hair, and that would be good. And mine, mine's a little different, a little more patriotic. We, uh, we thought I could go e- everywhere. Of course, there's the Rustin colors there and, and uh, tech. And so, you know, and then I got this shirt that's Cedar Creek, so I'm really balanced there. Uh, I would get a toupee or a wig or whatever, but my wife would probably not live with me anymore, so I'm probably not going to. We're not going to talk about hairdos today. We're in 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5. If you have a Bible, if you don't, that's no problem. The Scriptures will be on the screens. And we're going to talk about a radically different look at salvation. We've looked at a radically different look at life. We've looked at a radically different look at death. And this morning we're going to look at a radically different, a biblically view of salvation. When we talk about being saved, that's a, that's one of the most important concepts in the Bible. And don't be confused. The, the, the term being saved is not a Baptist term or a Catholic term or a Methodist term or a non-denom term. It's a biblical term. What Jesus and the Bible talk about being saved and, and saved is, is truly becoming a Christian. It's entering a relationship with God where you are forgiven of your past. Well, you're given a better opportunity for a full life here, and that when you die, if you're a saved person, that you're going to heaven. And there's a lot of confusion about being saved, but I want to tell you what the Bible says about being saved is radically different than what a lot of people, even in Baptist churches, think. So let's look at it this morning, and with, with the heart to either come away going, man, you know what, I'm not perfect, but I know I belong to Christ. Or we look at it and we say this morning, by the end of this sermon, hey, I, I don't belong to Christ, but that is something I'm going to fix before I leave here this hour. Here's the big thought today from the Scripture, and this is the thing to get a hold of. A truly saved person is a truly changed person. A truly saved person is not just someone who's joined the church. That's a good thing. Or been baptized, that's a good thing. But a truly saved person is a truly changed person. And verse 17 is our our scripture this morning, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Jamie, if you would, leave that scripture on the screen for a moment. Let's just kind of walk through what it's saying. It begins with that, therefore, if anyone. I love that because anyone means exactly what you think it means. It means everybody and anybody. When he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's saying, I think, two things. He's saying anybody can be, but he's saying anybody. That's you, that's me. That's any of us can be in Christ. If they are in Christ, and, and, and Paul, but God's writing this letter to the church in Corinth through the apostle Paul. And Paul was a very scholarly man, a man who had had a true life change experience with Jesus Christ. 
And his favorite term to talk about becoming a Christian was that phrase, in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? That little word in there in your Bibles means emotion into something. It means emotion in our lives, emotion into Jesus Christ. It means to be surrounded by something here, surrounded by Jesus, or to be enveloped by something. See, this is just... This is different than just getting a little bit of a religion. It's being surrounded and enveloped in something. The Greek people in Jesus' day, when they talked about this word in, they talked about your body, that your your bones and your muscles and your internal organs are inside of your, your flesh or your skin, that they, they are enveloped by your, your skin and flesh. You don't want your liver or your lungs hanging out of your body, do you? No, you don't. You want them enveloped inside of your flesh. And that's what he's talking about. He's talking, this is a powerful word. It means to be wrapped up in something. See, when you're a true Christian, you didn't just get a little bit of religion. You got wrapped up in Jesus Christ. That's a pretty powerful concept. And he says, anyone's in Christ, they are a new creation. Another great word. That word new means a quality of life. When you, when you become a Christian, You get a new quality of life. You become a new person. You become dedicated to a new usage here and for eternity. We have a beautiful children's building we just got uh, completed in June. And that children's building consists of some new bricks and new mortar, stuff that did not, wasn't there before. But also it consists of old things that were completely redone. I mean, Painted, fixed up, smell better, look better, completely different and given a completely new, different purpose. You see, when you're in Christ, you become a new person. You, you're going to, you become a Christian today. You're going to walk out of here. You're not going to have more hair. You're not going to have lost weight by becoming a Christian. You, you're not going to smell any different, probably. But you're going to walk out here as a new person. And we're going to see that more in a moment from the inside out. And you're going to be a new person dedicated to a new lifestyle. That's what the word new means. He says, and the old things are passed away. What used to be may be in your life some, but it's not prominent anymore. That little phrase, passed away, is a great phrase. It means to be neglected. It means to be let go of. It's the picture of snow melting. You know, I've lived in Ruston about 16 years now, and we'll get a snow once or twice a year, hopefully. Amen, students? And and here's the cool thing about living in Ruston, if you're in school, if they think it's going to snow in the next month, they're going to let you out of school for a week, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty good about that, right? And in my church, we shut down when the public schools shut down. So nobody prays harder for the schools to be called off by weather than my ministry team. I promise you that. But here's the thing about it in Ruston. It can, there's normally pretty on the ground at nine in the morning, right? But normally by about four, it's mud, isn't it? It's, it's not pretty. It, it melts away. And God's saying, when you become a, a true believer in Jesus Christ, when you get in Christ, you're not going to be perfect, but, but a lot of those things in your past melt away. They begin to disappear. You become a new creature. John 3, 3 describes what becoming a true Christian is. It says, Jesus said to them, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus says a person who truly comes to Christ, it's such a radical thing. It's, it's like being reborn. It's like a second birth. In fact, you can't go to heaven unless you've been born physically and, and then born spiritually. You've got in Christ. It's radical. 
You see, a lot of us this morning, we're counting on being baptized, which is a good thing. We're counting on being in church, which is a good thing. We're counting on being, well, I go to a Bible study. I've prayed a prayer. I believe in Jesus. Those are all good and necessary things, but none of those things get you in Christ. See, some of us have been going through our life. We rededicate. We try to reform. We rehab. We reeducate, and those things can be fine, but none of those things get you in Christ. You have to be born again. You have to have a motion from your life into Christ's life where you are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. A changed person is the saved person. A changed person gets a new life. And I want to walk through a few points this morning. Again, I ask you to examine your heart today and see if this is you. If it is, it'll be wonderful. If it's not, there is a solution, I promise you. Let's look at these, let's look at these identifiers of a person who's truly in Christ. Number one, you are different from the inside out. That's the purpose of the new birth. You're different from the inside out. In verse 17, if any man's in Christ, he's a new cre- creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You, theologians use the term regeneration. That's like God doesn't just come in and clean you up. He takes your heart and he creates a new heart in you. you he, he rebirths you. From the inside out, you become different. And, and it's easy to identify sometimes with that person maybe who was a, a murderer or someone who was a drug addict. And you can say, boy, they, they've been changed from the inside out. And it's not as easy to identify maybe to that nice, moral businessman in Ruston or that nice, moral 35, 45, 55-year-old housewife in Ruston. But I want to tell you, if you belong to Christ and if you're truly in Christ, You have been changed from the inside out. I want to ask you this morning, are you different? Has there there been something happened between you and God that changed you from the inside out? All that's at stake is your eternity. You need to be able to answer these questions well. Here's the second thing. And again, these these certainly go together. You have a different master now. You see, Christianity says... That when I become a Christian, I say Jesus Christ is now my what? My, my Lord. The, the biblical word Lord means master and boss. I, see, I didn't become a Christian until I was in college, so I can still easily relate to these things and how they related in my life. And, and before I was a Christian, before many of you are Christians, maybe today, the truth is God is not calling the shots in your life. Maybe you've gotten away from him and you need to get back under that. But some of us, really, God's never called the shots. We call the shots. Popularity, money, what, whatever it is that we want to pursue, that calls the shots. When, when you get in Christ, you are changed from the inside out. You have a different master than you had before. Jesus Christ becomes your Lord. He becomes your master. I want to ask you today, have you experienced that new boss, that new Lord? You have to, and you will if you're in Christ. Here's the third thing. You have different loves. You you love different things now. I would encourage you today, if you had time, to go home and read the book of 1 John in the New Testament. 1 John's five chapters. You could easily read it in 10 to 15 minutes. The purpose of that book, many scholars believe, was to help you and me 
be able to find assurance about our salvation or, or to find salvation in Jesus Christ. And in that five chapters, one of the things God through John does is talks about the person who's truly in Christ. They love different things than they did before. Doesn't mean you don't still struggle with things, but you have different loves. Let me ask, be honest this morning. No one but yourself. Is coming to church just a frustratingly hard thing for you? No interest in praying unless it's fourth down and one or it's the prom date call. You don't, reading your Bible just doesn't, I mean, that doesn't, that's not your gig, not your thing. How, why would you think you belong to Christ? I mean, the, the church is the body of Jesus Christ. It's amazing, after I got saved, how I wanted to go to church. I never wanted to go to church before. It's amazing how I wanted to, to read my Bible. I never wanted to read my Bible. I never wanted to pray. You see, if, if you're in Christ, God changes you. You become a changed person, a different person. See, a lot of people in churches are just religious. They're Pharisees. They're moral and they're mean. But they not they not have a different love in their life. Do you love the things of God? Do you, do you love the church? Do you love praying? you love the Bible? I don't mean you wake up every morning and go, man, I just wish I could go to church today. I want to read my Bible for eight hours and pray for the other toy. I'm not, I don't mean that, but I mean, do you have a passion for those things? A love for those things? You see, before a person is saved, the things they love are the things that are popular and driven by the world. Church people, are you hearing me? But when you, when you truly are saved and changed, you begin to love the things that God loves. You have different loves. Is that you? Here's the fourth thing. And again, they, they, flow, they flow absolutely together. You have a different attitude. You have a different mindset. It just kind of makes sense. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. You're going to have a different mindset and outlook, aren't you? You are. You absolutely are. One of my previous churches, there was a lady when I was her pastor. She was older, an elderly lady. She's in heaven now. And she told me her story. It's a church story. It wasn't like my story at all, but, it, but it's like a lot of people in church. She had been baptized when she was a kid. She believed in Jesus. She was moral. She was ethical. Very, very religious. She was probably one of the best Bible teachers in the church. She said one night at the end of a revival when she was in her late 40s, she realized that she knew a lot about God, and she knew how to condemn people who didn't do the things she did, but she didn't know God. She came back to the church with her husband, and to make a long story short, she gave her life to Christ, and she was baptized as a follower of Christ. And, and people later began to say to her, we, you know, we never saw this coming. We didn't see anything about your life that exemplified that you weren't a Christian. And, and now that you've given your life to Christ, we don't see much change. Here's what she told me. I knew there was a change in my heart. She said, my attitude toward people was better. My attitude toward my bosses and my friends were better. My attitude about my church was better. My attitude about my husband was changed and it was better. See, here's what she discovered. A saved person is a changed person. It may not always resonate out loud to everybody else, but it will resonate with you. Has God given you a different attitude and a different mindset, a different heart? 
different loves for people. God, has God changed your attitude and your mindset? See, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Would this be you? Here's the fifth thing. Your behavior's different. Your behavior's different. This ought to be a given, but it's not. Before I was a Christian, I felt like I could live any way I wanted to, and I was just backslidden. You ever heard that? (laughs) That's convenient, isn't it? Just not where I need to be. Well, I wasn't where I needed to be. You know this person, I'll tell you later, church where I met Cindy many, many years ago. There was a guy in the community I'd got to know. I was trying to help him and his wife make their marriage work. And he was the vilest, roughest person I'd ever been around. And I know you're going, well, you're a preacher, you're a sissy, you probably can't handle anything. I wasn't always a preacher. And, and I guess the, the, the best way to put this, I, my parents were good, moral, clean people. But most of my friends weren't. I fit in with the Marines better than I fit in with the choir. Does that make sense? So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not overwhelmed or, or bowed over when someone says rough language. That, that doesn't blow me away. That's what I was around for years and years and years. This guy was so obnoxious that, man, it just, it's like, oh, my goodness. I kind of went around. And he showed up at church one Sunday. He came and came, and it was like, oh, my goodness. I hope he just start cussing during the sermon. <laughs> You're laughing. It was a fear. <laughs> We gave the invitation that morning. He walked down in front of everybody and gave his life to Jesus and got saved. And I want to tell you, the vilest, vulgarest, most obnoxious guy, one of them that I've ever been around, God changed him like that. Did he make him perfect? Absolutely not. Well, why do you think or why do I think that we can live just like everybody else, talk like everybody else? Maybe, maybe you don't cuss and you don't party, but you're just this negative, gossipy, and mean as everybody. And you think that that's, that's okay as a Christian. It's not. God changes our behavior. Has God changed your morals and your ethics? If you're a liar and a cheat just like everybody else, if you're a gossip and you're mean and a slander like everybody, why do you think you're in Christ? Christ changes who we are. Somebody say Amen. He does. Now, some of you are saying, I don't, well, I don't ever talk bad. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. You can still burn in hell and be moral. You know that? There was a lady in England years ago who became a Christian. She was a, she was a house cleaner. She cleaned her preacher's house. A few months after she was baptized and joined the church, the preacher asked her, he said, sweetie, tell me how God's changed your behavior. And she smiled and she said, I don't sweep the dirt under the rug anymore. That matters if it's your house she's cleaning. Small thing. She wasn't out getting high. She wasn't out beating up her boyfriend. But God changed her behaviors. God changed her behavior. And here's the last part of this test. God gives us a new direction. He gives us a new direction. Obviously, if he gives us a new heart, he makes us a new creature. He changes the direction of our life. See, part of becoming a Christian is repentance. And repentance is confusing, but here's the best understanding of repentance. Repentance is not about perfection. It's about direction. It doesn't mean you're not going to go and never sin anymore. It means God changes the direction of your life. The guy who wrote this, 
God wrote it through the Apostle Paul. Listen to Paul's resume. Paul was very religious. He hated Christians. He hated Jesus. And he hated the church. Does that sound like, well, we got those people in our church. We may. I don't know. Or you may. And then something happened. Paul was saved. Paul's life got in Christ. And he went from hating Jesus to proclaiming him loudly. He died for Jesus. He, he went from hating the church to starting churches everywhere he went. He went from hating Christians to helping as many people as he could become a Christian. God changed the direction of his life. Wouldn't you agree with that? Still in Romans 7, Paul talked about the things he struggled. See, repentance is not about perfection. It's about direction. Has God changed your direction? Carrie Murphy was our children's minister here before Ed. And I asked Carrie this week if I could share this story. She shared it with the church before. But Carrie was our children's minister, and she became a Christian while she was working here. Normally, the process is flipped. You become a Christian and then a minister. But we had a revival, powerful revival. Carrie got saved. And I remember talking to her several months after that because Carrie was a moral, good person. She didn't beat up her husband. She wasn't getting high at work or anything like that. And I said, Carrie, tell me how God's changed you. She said, he's just changed how I view people. He's changed how I take correction. He's changed how I, I, I take direction. He's changed my attitude towards other people and things. God's given me a different direction. See, when Christ comes in your life truly, he changes your life. And part of that is he changes the direction. I love the very last part of this verse. I love the whole verse. But, but it says, old things are past and the new has come. The verbiage there is, is, the, is the tense that something is, events happened in the past with ongoing results. In other words, you're a work in progress if you're a Christian. God saved you in the past and he's continuing to work on you to make you better in the, in the future. But please understand this, God's changed you. He's given you a new direction, if he really has. So the question of the hour for all of us, has this truly happened to you? Has this truly happened to you? Put the verse back on the screen one more time. Anyone in Christ, that's anybody, he is a new creation. Old's gone, new is coming. Has has this happened to you? Here's what some of you may say this morning. I think it did, but it wore off. Have you ever known anybody that got religion and it wore off? I, I fear that it never happened to begin with. Might be judgmental, but Christianity changes you and it doesn't stop working on you. When I was growing up, Josh, youth camp, I think youth camp's a lot better today for multiple reasons. But here's what happened when I was a teenager and I wasn't a Christian. Youth would go off to camp. They would come back and a lot of them were hyper-religious. They would want to burn the rock and roll albums. They would want to burn your rock and roll albums. And they were fired up for God. Now, some of them, it would last for two weeks. I remember when I was a sophomore in high school, some of them, it lasted up to four or five months. But here's the the sad thing. It faded away. And 40 years later, for some of them, it's never come back, which makes me wonder if it ever happened. See, if Christ comes in you, he's in you for the long haul. The Living Bible, I love what it says. It says when a person's in Christ, they're not the same person. They're not the same person that they once were. What what, what about you today? You're in church this morning. That's awesome. I'm so happy you're in church. You need to be in church. Billy Graham, the great late evangelist, said 60% of church members, he believed we're not Christians. 
not truly in Christ. Well, I'm in a Bible study. I, I, I'm in a, the choir. I'm in the youth group. Those things are great, but none of those things are going to get you to heaven. Are, are you truly in Jesus Christ? Well, I've been in the baptism. Well, I've been sprinkled. Are you in Jesus Christ? You know, there's, a, there's two heart procedures. One of them is very common. It's called a heart bypass. A heart bypass, if you don't know what that, we call that open heart surgery. It's really not open in the heart. It's open up the chest. And, and you've got clogged arteries, and they, they harvest arteries from your legs or somewhere else. And they go in and they bypass those stopped-up arteries so blood can flow to and from your heart. And all it does is save your physical life. It's kind of important. But there's another surgery called a transplant, a heart transplant. How many of you have heard of Everybody's in here has heard of a heart transplant, haven't you? A heart transplant is way different from a bypass. Bypass is radical, but a heart transplant, listen, a heart transplant, they're not fixing up your old heart. You know what they're doing? They're taking your old heart out, and they are getting a new heart, and they're putting a new and different heart inside of you. That's radically different. Some of you are Christians today, and you, you've got some clogged arteries, and you need to do some bypass work. Some of you, though, you're trying to rededicate and reform and bypass something that doesn't exist. You, you don't need bypass surgery today. You need a transplant. You see, because a truly saved person is a truly changed person. And nobody can answer that for you but you, but it's the most important question for here in eternity Have you truly been saved? And if you have, you know it's a radically different thing. Let's pray. This morning, if you do know you belong to Christ, maybe there's things today that you need to get right, or maybe you you just, there's people you need to be praying for right now. Do that. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Chris, I am not in Christ. Or maybe you're just unsure. Man, if you want to be sure today, you want to solidify this thing, and you're sincere, pray with me. And say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I do believe you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart. And Jesus, I surrender my life to you today. I want to ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a minute. Nobody's going to be looking but God and me. And I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to stand or anything. But I, if you just prayed that and you really meant that, would you lift your hand up? Would you lift your hand up? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. You can put them down. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment and we're going to give you an uh, invitation to respond to Christ. Maybe today... Maybe today as a Christian, you want to come in the altar and get things right with God. Or you want to come and pray with a minister or pray for someone you know who needs Jesus. You come and do that. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can come and do that or you can certainly do that after church too. 
Hey, today, if you've given your life to Christ and we prayed or you're ready to do it, what are you waiting on? Don't wait on another day. You can come right now when we stand and talk to a minister and cross that line with Jesus. I will be at this door after church. There will be other ministers after church. We would love to help you. But I plead with you this morning, don't leave the building today without giving your life to Christ if you never have. Let's stand. You come now as we sing.